This is the Deep V Podcast. Deep shit I could never say on the radio. I'm Casey Joe. I'm creating this space for the ones who live from their full heart. The ones that live life with panache and zest, but also struggle with that daily existential crisis. Let's talk about it. Here we explore breaking up with comfort zones and deep-throating vulnerability. The Deep V. Episode 8. I'm just here for the dopamine. Hi, it's Casey Joe, and my phone is a total bitch that it doesn't recognize me to unlock it in the morning. Do I look that terrible, Apple? Is my face forever changed from scowling at the state of the world and my meager place in it? I have to force a fake smile just to get it to recognize my face to unlock my phone. (laughs) So that's where I'm at these days. Hey, what's up? Friends, ex-lovers, total creeps. Firstly, I acknowledge all of the anti-racism work that is happening. Black lives matter. Say it over and over and over. This isn't something that was new to me. And saying that isn't a slight to anyone who's just waking up to social justice and racial equality and all of the work that needs to be done either. I've been taking some time, continuing to do the work, acknowledging my white privilege, supporting black people, listening, continuing to undo and learn and unlearn and listen even more. And I trust that you're doing the same. And there's many resources out there that we can support and educate ourselves from. Not only we can, we need to, we have to. It is a social responsibility to be anti-racist and so many voices that need to be heard now. I also acknowledge the space and privilege for my white voice to take up some of that space right now. There's a lot I have to say that sometimes I feel like I have nothing to say. Everything's been said. (laughs) Oh, I only have one laugh these days too. It's just that, (laughs) uh, like, what kind of laughs do you got going on in your life right now? Are you guffawing? Are you laughing so hard you're crying these days? I'm I'm only laughing. (laughs) That's like this kind of pathetic at myself, kind of nervous, fearful, What have I become? (laughs) There it is. Okay, so sometimes I feel like I have so much to say that I actually have nothing to say because it feels like everything's been said. And then I have to remind myself that's a stupid but useful thought. It's like anytime anyone has wanted to do something, like start a new business, change your life, You can go two routes. You can say, well, yeah, there's a million flowers out there. I can't compete with those gorgeous dahlias over there. That wild rose, it doesn't give a fuck. Why would I want to be a flower? There's so many flowers already out there. Okay, I think I've been living in that route a little too much. The other one you can take is you can say, hey, I'm going to wrestle with this hard soil I've been planted in. I'm going to loosen it up a bit, and I'm going to fucking bloom anyway. 
Sunflowers are my favorite flower because they gravitate towards the sun. And I think that's so lovely, turning your face towards the sun, towards the light, and then shining that on others. Remember your chosen word for 2020 at the start of the year? Lols. Good thing my friend Dan chose unprecedented as his word, so it's going great for him. So how are you doing? No, wait, I hate that. How are you being? Less doing. I mean, do do what you need to do. I said do do. But being is the most important thing to me to do lately. It's wild because at the start of this pandemic, I was creatively fueled. I leaned hard into my meditation practice and in permanence, the fact that everything is always in a constant state of change. And I was doing live streams every day, supporting others, chatting with people nonstop. I started taking calls with people, helping them navigate everything. And now I just feel tired all the time. Any other creators feel me? Like you just want to nap until this is over? I don't know when this is going to be over. That's going to be a damn ass long nap. That's going to be a coma. Anyone else feel like taking a coma with me these days? Well, it wouldn't really be with me because I'd be in it, but you know what I mean. Tired. <laughs> I'm tired of saying I'm tired. Eh, you know how capitalism doesn't want us tired and doesn't want us to take a nap. Okay, I got to stop. And I had a, a shower thought today. <laughs> I had a shower thought that like, it's not that I want to do nothing. It's not that I don't want to create anything. I actually have so many ideas. What do I care about in this world? How do I want to show up for myself and other people? What is it that I want to offer? And then I get all these ideas and I get super jazzed and I write them down and make a bunch of lists and maybe I tell a couple people about it, but not really. And then I don't know how to fucking do it. I don't know how to begin. That's where we're supposed to start is to just begin. I put a lot of pressure on myself. I want things to be perfect. And then I convince myself if it's not perfect, then I might as well not do it. And I'm back in this, this loop. It's so confusing. I got a message from Josh on Instagram today that said, I totally feel, feel trapped. I feel irritable, restless, and depressed almost every day. Whenever I sit down to write, I just find I've got nothing to say. No desire. I feel so far away from myself right now, and I can't see the way back. I can't even pick up my journal to talk it out. I'm more lost than I've been in a very long time. My heart goes out to you, Josh, because your words sound like the inside of my brain. <laughs> so I feel you on that irritable and depressed and nothing to say and no energy to even get there. And it's so important for us to just remember that we need to be gentle with ourselves and that we're grieving in a variety of ways on different levels. We're grieving a lot of things. We're, we're grieving the way that things used to be. And that's a constant grieving right now, it seems. Navigating what really matters and trying to figure out what we really need every single day. And it changes every day. And how do we exist? And also, we still crave 
connection. We need it. And then (laughs) we're in these difficult emotions and other people in our lives in the world perhaps try to bypass that and they don't know how to be with their own difficult emotions. So therefore they can't be with your difficult emotions. And that is something called toxic positivity. Just think a positive thought. And I get that intention. It is not rooted in evil. It is rooted in someone caring. But sometimes it helps more to just hold space where somebody's at and what they're feeling and what they're experiencing and not negate those emotions. And then there's people that are okay with being in this uncertainty. In fact, they thrive in the agony, the constant agony of it. The truth is... A majority of people like being miserable. They like being asleep. Why? Because it's easier. You don't have to change. You don't have your perspective altered. You don't have to... (laughs) It's just so much easier. And sometimes I'm like, damn, I wish I could go back to being asleep and being one of those people. But you can't. Once you start to see things, there's no going back. It does seem easier, but ultimately I know that I have a more meaningful life to myself, deeper connections with other people and myself because I've confronted a lot of the suffering and continue to confront it. It doesn't, it doesn't end. There's no healing. There's no end point. There's no, I shouldn't say there's no healing. I mean, you don't end up as healed. There's no finality to it is what I mean. We are on a constant journey of healing and more shit happens. New traumas come in, global pandemics show up, and we arrive again at the healing. It's a continual thing. And I guess I'd rather be this way. I guess? No, I'd rather be this way. So a lot of pain is coming up that your ass is getting woke up right now. Wakey, wakey, eggs and fake bakey. And the grief feels never-ending at times in its various forms right now. I got another message on Instagram. I'm sorry, I I forgot to make a note of who sent it, and now it got buried under messages. Uh, But it talked about grieving. It said, Dear Siege, grief is the most realist shit ever. When I'm in it, I feel the most alive, as fucked as that is. I am acutely aware. For me, it's the most in my body I ever am. It's the best form of meditation. Pretty powerful stuff there. Try to tell that to the kids though, you know, kids not being in school earlier this year, summer, and them talking about reopening them here in Canada in September. It's got to be tough. I've been going through some my old junk in some drawers here, and I found something called a noetic logbook that I did in high school. Did you ever pass notes in high school? I mean, maybe you did. Do kids do that anymore? They just text. God, I'm old. Anyways, this noetic logbook was cool. I just had a Hillroy notebook, and it was an ongoing conversation between me and my friends. And we would write to each other, and everybody would read it, and it had doodles and a lot of stuff in it. And what was awesome about the Noetic Logbook is it looked like you were taking notes in class. Really, you were writing this kind of journal to your friends. So I was reading through it in the last month, and it's so interesting. 
what me and my friends said in high school. A lot of, what the hell is this teacher even talking about? (laughs) There's a lot of that. And then there's a lot of, what the hell are we even doing? And I, I, I'm like, yeah, reading it now. And I'm like, yeah, same. (laughs) I can't imagine being a youth these days. I know that must be extra hard. And if you've been in this longer than others, I see you. I feel that if you've been thrust into uncertainty and marinating in it for a long time, it can affect our physical and mental and emotional beings. It not, it can't, it can, no, it does, it will. Our nervous systems, stuff starts happening. Here's some thoughts I came to recently. Embracing isolation and accepting loneliness. Day 283. They all promised to visit. You know, it's easy to romanticize living in a cabin in the middle of the woods, on the beach, stripped to no thing, wrapped shivering in a thick blanket of heavy silence. All the greats have done it, I lied to myself. But there is much the greats didn't tell us, isn't there? Does a brilliant mind exist in extreme isolation if no one's around to hear it make a sound? I've learned I am stronger and more brave than ever. I check my shoes for spiders, check my bed for spiders, learn to live with the constant hickeys and huddles of spiders. I got chased by packs of coyotes and then suddenly I chased back. I started swimming every day in the ocean often exhaling louder than the waves like a rampant wild horse. Most days I didn't see another human and often only spoke to my puppy who didn't listen to me anyway. I've never felt more terrified and also never felt more free. Bugs exist that I'd never imagined. Most nights, the only saving grace was the blinking lighthouse matching my heart rate. I wept at the stars often and threw my grievances in their faces. I can build a fire out of the mere ghost of who I used to be, dancing in all of my former flames. My eyes played constant tricks on me until I realized that the heart never does. Every modern artist romanticizes the Bonnie Vare dream to hole away and create your masterpiece. And now, I think mine is complete. Veil dropped, peel back the curtain, and my masterpiece is me. It's a masterpiece in progress. I'm a process. (laughs) My last podcast was three and a half months ago. Recently, I was lying on a log, feeling half alive inside, listening to another podcast that talked about podcasts failing. That most podcasts fail. That the average podcast only lasts seven episodes before they give up. I hit pause immediately and I opened up my podcast on Spotify and I was like, oh shit, how many episodes do I have? Seven? That's me. I can't give up at seven. I can't be a statistic. If nothing, this episode is for me to not be a motherfucking statistic. (laughs) 
I get it though. It's hard. We, we do a podcast. Why was I doing this podcast? Why did I stop at seven? I've been wondering that. And I realize it's because I'm looking at the numbers of people that listen to this because I come from a radio background where ratings and numbers matter. And yes, not just in radio, but in life, we look at the numbers that we tend to. And at first, a lot of people were listening to this. I was actually in, in the top five podcasts of personal journals. And I thought, whoa, this is amazing. I was right up there with This American Life, which is like a legit show with a team. But now, I don't know why I stopped. Was it because there's a new pandemic besides COVID-19? A podemic where everyone's doing a podcast? Michelle Obama is doing a podcast series now. I saw that this week, and her first guest is Prez Barack Obama. I can't compete with that in this podemic. But why do I care? Michelle Obama's podcast is going to be great. I started caring because I saw on Amazon, my least favorite company in the world, of course, that they were sold out of podcast mics. And again, I got to come back to that flower analogy. Everyone has a podcast, so that's why I shouldn't. It was the same thing when I was going to self-publish my poetry book. I was like, ah, oh, I can't do this. There's so many poets out there. They're published. They've got hundreds of thousands of followers. They play these internet games. I mean, there's tons of shitty radio hosts. Didn't stop me from being a shitty radio host. <laughs> Damn. Why do I face this often? If you're at a point in your life and this statement is coming up that there's maybe too many X, Y, Zs out there, I think this is really an opportunity and a challenge for us to see how much do I really want to do this and what are my intentions behind this? I really do want a podcast. I love connection and I need it. And I did it for such a long time and really enjoyed it. So what's my problem then? Was it pressure that I felt? Was it really a lack of things to say? <laughs> no, we already know that answer. Was it time? Am I afraid to succeed? Same thing when I wanted to self-publish a book. I didn't know how to do it and I let that hold me back for so long and I, I guess I was afraid of succeeding because I was already failing by not doing it. Another thing I've been breaking down lately is what is success? And I came to the conclusion that success to me is being in the present moment. Oh, that's it? That's what you're thinking. Oh, is that it, CJ? Is being present success? Yeah. <laughs> Sounds simple, but yo, doggy, we know it's not. Success is not what we've been taught and programmed it to be. Sure, having a pile of money would be nice. If I could own a home and have some living stability, what a treat or a massive change in my life that would be. But that's also a total luxury, and that doesn't equate a better life exactly. I've been fortunate to travel some parts of the world, and in developing countries, I've connected with people that were far happier than people in North America, people that had nothing, but they did have themselves and what they valued and knew to be true. To me, that's success. Success is what happens when everything you've worked towards and thought to be true is taken away, and then who are you? That's success. 
Success is not money. It's not status. It's not security, which we know is now an illusion, security. It's not your job. It's not a relationship. It's not your body. The physical things in your life, the people, trips. Uh, Remember taking trips. Success is just being here now, whatever you're going through, and embracing where you're at and not running away from yourself. And yeah, man, I know that sounds so simplified. It's a practice. It's not easy. It requires returning our attention to it again and again. It requires us to fall out of love of these nice ideas that have been not so subtly programmed into our minds all this time. What is success to you? What is success right now? I have another poem for you. Three years ago, I made the most money I've ever made in a year. I worked relentlessly. I barely slept. I worked so hard. People thought I made it look easy. In comparison, maybe the money was not that much. I've always made less money than I needed to live in the city, despite often working three jobs. Last year, I released and self-published a book. I worked relentlessly. I barely slept. I worked so hard. People thought I made it look easy. It was an act of love and art more than an income source. This year, I've made the least amount of money I've ever made in my entire life since I started working at 14 years young. Like, I don't even know how I am actually living. And yet, I've worked relentlessly. I've barely slept. I've worked so hard on myself, on my healing, on being, on breaking discomfort, on letting go, on embracing whatever the hell this is, on forcing rest, on marinating in being. This in itself is a gift. This is a privilege. This is humbling. This is not easy. This is and was so outside of my comfort zone that it caused me to break down over and over. This does not come without its own very real costs and sometimes very little payoffs. But I can say with absolute certainty that success isn't climbing the corporate ladder, moving up, raises, promotions, taking on more work responsibilities, letting others define you, updating a LinkedIn headline, the backslap flattery of your coworkers ripping you off daily, or having your career dialed in and definitively self-identified. To me, success is giving yourself the raise where you rise anyway, whence knocked down, even when faced with and despite of a lack of purpose, especially when you feel defeated, whether grasping or searching or scrambling for raison d'etre, and a daily acceptance of where you're at and not where you're going or where you necessarily came from. The only currency you should be truly concerned with is time, your energy, and spending or giving kindness, compassion, and love whenever possible. It is almost always possible. We can make it 
over and over again in many different ways. Remember, we're all just making this up as we go anyway. Oh, but validation feels so good, especially being in this muck right now. Give me that dopamine hit. I mean, isn't that why social media was created? To make you feel less good about yourself so you need to buy some shit so you get the dopamine hit? Give me a dose of serotonin, oxytocin. Oh, I love oxytocin. When we're in love, we are flooded with oxytocin so much, it's a drug for us. I feel like my neurotransmitters hate me right now. These chemical messengers are also lost on the highway to my heart. Where are you? Dopamine, if you don't know, is very interesting. It plays a role in how we feel pleasure. And it's part of our unique human ability to think or plan. Quick, where do I get some dopamine? I'm not doing a good job with the thinking and the planning. My dopamine is broken. We need dopamine for reward, motivation, memory, attention, and even regulating some of our body movements. We get dopamine when we have a bite of delicious food, when we have sex, after we exercise, and when we have successful social interactions. <laughs> That's where my dopamine went. All right. Serotonin. Are you there, serotonin? It's me, Casey Joe. Serotonin, if you don't know, is a chemical that contributes to our well-being and our happiness and is a sneaky little brat. It's found in your brain, in your bowels, and in your blood platelets of all places. And some doctors say a lack of serotonin may cause depression, anxiety, and sleep problems. Yup, yup, and yup. But taking an SSRI, a selective serotonin reuptake inhibitor, that's typically prescribed for depression, doesn't always help. I've taken various meds this year, and that's been an interesting place to come to because I've been anti-medication for the last number of years. I've tried it before. It didn't work for me. But when I got my concussion, I thought, okay, it got really bad. Like I, I can't be suicidal like this all the time. Maybe my brain is broken. Maybe I don't retain serotonin. Maybe I don't even have any. Maybe it's genetic. Maybe it's from my traumas. Maybe it's from my current circumstances. And for me, I believe all of those reasons to be true. But the meds didn't help my serotonin. They made me gain weight. They gave me migraines. And despite my constant journaling and reflecting, did I feel any better? I couldn't even tell because I just really felt numb all of the time. So how do we naturally get more of this magical mood stabilizer during a pandemic? I'm so desperate. I bought a sad light in the spring. Am I happy yet? Damn. And then we've got that mother, oxytocin, a hormone secreted by the posterior lobe of the pituitary gland, the cuddle hormone or love hormone as it's sometimes called because it's released when people snuggle or when we bond socially. Damn, there it is again. 
The other time oxytocin is released is in the bloodstream as a hormone response to the stretching of the cervix and uterus when someone goes into labor. Oxytocin triggers labor and releases breast milk in women, and in men, it helps move sperm. Can you tell I'm trying to become an expert on these neurotransmitters because I've struggled with them so much in my life? I've also read studies that oxytocin can actually cause emotional pain because it can strengthen bad memories. A study I recently read said that if you experience something socially that is negative or stressful, the hormone activates a part of the brain that intensifies the memory of it. And oxytocin is like, yo, I'm not done yet. But then it further increases the susceptibility to feeling fearful and anxious during any stressful event going forward. Oh shit, is this resonating for you? I think that study in particular is really important because if you've been under chronic stress and trauma for a lot of your life, even now this counts, you're going to struggle with oxytocin. So I read things like this. I've read a lot of books and a lot of studies. And I'm like, who can I get mad about this at? I need to get mad at somebody. My hypothalamus that's a, again, I'm not a scientist. I just pretend to be one on this podcast. The hypothalamus is a small region at the base of your brain and it's supposed to secrete the motherfucking oxytocin. Can I be mad at it? And then in talking about these neurotransmitters, it's pretty wild because there's still so much that we don't know. These things are so complex to our behavior and our emotions and our feelings, and we constantly need to do more research to understand what's going on, and then the research is done, and we still are like, I don't really know what's going on. (laughs) At this point, I'd do anything for serotonin, dopamine, and oxytocin. So I did a little more investigatory journalism, and I googled how to boost them naturally. So it says... Exercise, spend time in nature, focus on good nutrition, meditation, gratitude, essential oils, happy memories, novelty, and therapy. And I read those Google results and I was like, bitch, I'm doing all of this shit. Okay, how about revisiting my plan? I thought about drastically changing my life again since I've been living a life of straight solitude for about 10 months. I was like, okay, maybe I'll get more serotonin naturally if I just become a monk. Yeah, a monk. It sounds kind of easy. Like I'm already sort of living the monk life. I almost went full Britney and shaved my head and I was going to do it. I mean, my hair, I hadn't had a haircut in a long time. And yeah, Karen, we know it was a real big problem. I was like, yeah, I'll just shave my head. When am I going to shave my head in my life again? I'm in a global pandemic. I'm in extreme isolation. I don't really see people anyways. I might as well shave my head. Can you imagine how freeing that was? And then while I'm at it, I'll become a monk. It's a real nightmare being me living in my head. <laughs> I think the reason why I'm also struggling with these neurotransmitters is because I'm revisiting my plan in my life and I'm trying all these different things, probably just like you, I started something else that's new. I started something new and it's hard. (laughs) Wow. Spoiler alert. Who'd have thought that starting something new is hard? (laughs) And so I'm just trying to be 
with myself and not run from the way that my moods can alter and change and to get curious about it all the time. What can I read about? What can I learn? How can I observe and just watch the shifting and the changing? And how can I be more gentle to myself? And in those thoughts, I'd like to share a clip of me sitting at the beach, kind of contemplating some of these things. In some earlier episodes of this podcast, I played an off-the-cuff thought train of me driving in the car, drinking coffee, usually lost somewhere. And this one is me at the beach, drinking coffee with a frog in my throat. Enjoy. Wow, that's a real life frog that was in my throat. That's where I'm at in life. I don't speak enough, so frogs actually live in my larynx. At least I'm not alone. I'm at the beach, and I used to do this all the time. I used to make audio clips of sounds and places and special spaces I wanted to tie up in a nice little package and pin it neatly onto my heart. And then everything just fell apart. And again and again and again until I got it. Life is a continual piece of cardboard that's wet in the rain. (laughs) We're just walking by. We're like, is it dog poo, wet leaves, or cardboard again? Damn it. Dog poo. I feel the pressure of everything all the time. It's not enough to think about everything all the time. Try to learn and unlearn, do better. We're supposed to be everything all the time and do everything all the time and aspire to be and do everything all the next time. The only thing that I am all the time is tired and constantly in a state of love or desperately trying to get it back. Being near the sea, it helps me. Reading words that resonate with me help me. Connecting with people that make me feel seen helps me finding a rope that has a piece of wood on the end and it's tied in knots just like my heart and I jump on it and I swing on it and we call it a swing and it's amazing and people say hey don't do that you're an adult be serious invest buy a home white picket fence get a ring have the body have the kids did you invest I feel sorry for those people Sometimes I think their life is better than mine. 
But they're not hanging out with frogs in their throats. Pins on their coats. Bugs on their lips. I never asked for a kiss. How rude. (laughs) I understand that I don't always have the best attitude. hard to embrace your life when you feel like you're just a constant fucking mistake and then you sit at a beautiful picnic table with a peace sign carved into the top and the words the woods and you watch the waves and you see that they constantly break they're beautiful and they're perfect They make breaking look easy, methodic, necessary, magical. It's the sound of my heartbeat. I don't know what it is about the sea. Is it like being in the womb? The frog didn't like me saying that. (laughs) It's like, hey, this is my room. I'm watching seagulls ride the breeze and spin in a circle. And I'm like, damn, that's me. They keep going in the same loop. And it looks like insanity. I do that. (laughs) We do that. Only when you're the observer and you're watching the waves break and the seagulls spin and you're just like, ah, I get it again. Thank you. I see. But... See, for me, it's not so much the scene. It's like, what now? (laughs) I can intellectualize the shit out of everything and then let it all go and still be like, what? I just don't truly know. (laughs) Maybe I need to sit on the swing a little. Even when we fall apart and we break over and over again, we still remember to breathe. Something, there's something that keeps us breathing. Is that enough? Is that something enough for me? Do I only feel understood by the sea? I'm an alien. I I feel like I'm an alien (laughs) most days. 
I'm tired of people criticizing me on how to live my life in the middle of the woods when they themselves have never lived their life in the middle of the woods. The only people that I really feel can have any say are the greats. So I read them over and over again. But even the greats don't know shit about it now. Everything's different. We've got the internet. The way we communicate and how it's so different. (laughs) But they still offer me a small dose of comfort. That deep isolation. Longing for connection. Moments of devastation. And then on the other side, sometimes... Not quite often enough, but we do arrive. And I keep looping and spinning like the seagulls, waiting to thrive. I can't fathom going back and working a nine to five the old white boys club I'd rather fucking die so here I am at the sea watching the waves break over and over just like me I'll never tire of watching them. Just like our breaths, they just keep going. Whatever it is that powers that, that knowing that's what I need to always carry within me. So as I clear this final frog in my throat, I hope you think about these things that we don't understand, but somehow they flow. Maybe after we break enough times, then we'll know. I'd like to wrap up this podcast with a dear siege. This is a message from you that we tackle. You're a part of this podcast and this show, and I appreciate you listening so much. If you've got something you want to say, you can email me at thedeepvpodcast at gmail.com. Of course, my DMs are always open on Instagram at Casey Jolos. This one's on being your own cheerleader. It says, Dear Siege, It is exhausting trying to be your own biggest cheerleader. In all the movies, sporting events, and stories, when there's almost nothing left and the protagonist is ready to give up, there's a voice from the outside that helps push them through the worst of the worst. So how does one do that for themselves when just making it through is a struggle in itself?
I hear that so hard. That's a really beautiful thought, by the way. It sounds like poetry to me. (laughs) I feel like that so much. It gets so tiresome being there for yourself all the time. I feel that. I'm living that. It's really hard to not compare to others who seemingly always have other people around for them. Maybe different privileges, maybe something that we never had, we haven't had yet. And it's also tricky to not compare our lives to others because we don't know what they're experiencing. We don't know that it's easier for them or that they're happy. One of my favorite quotes is, comparison is the thief of joy. It's easy to say, but it's hard to practice. I get it entirely. It is a slippery slope. I can fall down it too. So I invite you to move from victim mode to creator mode. And I don't mean that offensively because I hear you and I'm there sometimes. So first, let's catch those thoughts. Observe them when they start popping up. You know, the sadness of having to be your own cheerleader. Can you watch those thoughts and maybe ask yourself, What is it that you need right now? You need someone to be there for you. And if you don't have someone else there for you, actually more importantly, how can you be there for you? And I get that that's not romantic because we're programmed and told someone's coming, maybe on a horse, to save us. And in my experience, that's just not true. We do need other humans and we do need support, especially with those neurotransmitters getting all fired up from social interaction and cuddles. So yes, totally, but we have to be our own cheerleaders. This is a poem I wrote a while ago, so this is perfect. Be your own best cheerleader. I know this is not what we were taught as children. Good girl, good boy, seeking praise and attention from everyone. I'm a middle child. I feel like the queen of seeking validation sometimes. Hmm, if I do something good, people will like me. Validation. Fuck that noise. Validate yourself when you're winning or losing. Do it when others call you crazy. Validate yourself when you're single or taken, when you feel your best or your worst, when you feel rejected, when you're irrational Validate yourself when you feel lost, unsupported, and alone. Validate yourself when you are lost and alone. I validate myself a lot in the woods. (laughs) It's easy to seek outside attention or love, but seemingly most difficult to give to ourselves. How would you treat a friend, family, a loved one, a complete stranger, or a little kid who's feeling the way that you are right now. In a world where we're overly seeking constant validation, a healthy relationship with it for yourself must exist. In real life, online, offline, off the grid, I'm rooting for you. And yes, I'm also rooting for me too. It's been real, it's been fun, it's been real fun. Until we meet again, this is not goodbye, but it is good night. The Deep V is recorded on the unceded territory of the Squamish, Seashell, Slaaman, and Clahoose nations on the Sunshine Coast in beautiful British Columbia, Canada. 
Music composition and production provided by Andrew Rasmussen. He's in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. Hire him for your next creative project. He's a total pro. You can find me online at CaseyJoeLose.com. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at CaseyJoeLose. It's like loose with no E. I'm Dutch. And you can buy my debut poetry book, I See You, I Am You, at ICUIAMU.com. If you have any suggestions or confessions, send me a note at thedeepvpodcast at gmail.com. And most importantly, if anything resonated with you here today, please share it with someone you love or talk about it in real life. Thanks for listening.